So welcome everybody. Usually you'd have Louise here from Wessex LMCs um, helping with her hosting. However, Louise is on an annual leave, so you've got me. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michelle Lombardi. I'm one of the directors of primary care at Wessex LMCs. So I think this is the fifth one in the series that we've done of these webinars. And, you know, everybody's incredibly busy and this is an hour for you to focus on you. Um, and this is being recorded, so it will be available to others who may want to, to listen. Um, and I'm going to hand over to Lucy. Fantastic. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, as usual, we've got Paul with us as well. He'll give Hi. you a wave. I don't know where he is on your screen, but Paul's here too, so he can uh, help out. Um, so nice to see you all. Again, I, it doesn't change as the months go by, does it? You're still really, really busy. Um, and it's great that you can take the time out to join us and, and come and have a chat on this Friday afternoon. And as Patrick's told us, a lovely sunny Friday afternoon where he is. So we'll make the most of that. You can see it actually in his window. It's looking good. Um, so how are things going? We were having a little bit of a chat just then while we were waiting. So some of you are heavily involved in the vaccinations at your PCN location. Some of you not so much. Emma, Emma's her own PCN, so she's definitely involved. Um, June, what about you? Are you involved with them or have you managed to slide away? Um, no, we're all involved as a team, actually. We're all we're all. Um sort of we're working as a PCN obviously but we're all booking our own appointments so it's still still lots to do but we've had a week off this week actually because we've had no vaccinations delivered so we're quite happy oh. but it starts again next week before. yeah yeah good stuff good stuff they're nice places to be aren't they the vaccination centers have any of you spent any time in them or are you visiting yeah it's such a I was at one yesterday, just the positivity of the patients. It's nice to be in a place where nobody's complaining for a change and they're all really happy about what's going on. And there's a real nice sort of atmosphere of team, isn't it, in terms of doing them. It's a swift setup. I tell you, it's pretty smart in terms of how it comes together. Um, yeah, very, very impressive indeed. Tracy, are you involved? Um, no, my manager has been heavily involved. So I've been holding the fort here while she's been out doing that. Yeah, there's no mean feat, is it? As well, you no. <laughs> have to remember, isn't it? There's loads of kind of glory for all the vaccination centres and all the work that's going on, but actually, you know, it, the life still has to go on, doesn't it? Back at the practice, yeah, yeah. with the strain of added phone calls and booking appointments and, mm. and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gosh, how are your team doing, Tracy? Are they all right? They're okay. Yeah, I mean, it it keeps changing by the minute, so they get a bit frustrated, but they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. getting people booked in. Good stuff, good stuff. Hayley, how are you? Um, yeah, overworked, underpaid and stressed. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're doing our, our vaccinations in Swindon out of steam. So we are, this week we've got, uh, we've had Tuesday, Thursday, we've got Saturday and Sunday clinics going all day. 8.30 in the morning through to 6 o'clock in the evening. Next week, it's just Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. And the following week is Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. And we've got confirmed vaccines. So um, at the moment, everybody is working their socks off, trying to get these patients to um, book their appointments and go up there. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Mm. What's it like back at the practice, okay? Um, it's difficult in terms of, because we have to... Um, send staff to help out at the COVID um, vaccination centre with staff being off and uh, half term looming next week um, it's going to be difficult 
but it is what it is and you just have to deal with it each day as it comes a bit like that at the moment isn't it yeah okay david how are you getting on uh yeah in the beginning initial beginning we had all the staff go and do it uh clinicals uh scas as well but now we've got quite a lot of bank staff who are now covering the uh, COVID vaccination site and it is a teamwork as you say so as well as the free grub you get that helps <laughs> good stuff thank you David right well I'm going to um probably move on to what we were going to talk about so as always this is an hour out for you guys or you know some time just to take a bit of time for yourself um so you you can you know just sit back and listen but it's also nice to hear from you as well as we go through um I think it really is important at the moment, isn't it, to remember that as much as the vaccination areas are doing really, really well, the practices are still running in the background, aren't they, and doing all that work. So that's that kind of acknowledgement to everybody who maybe is not in the glory bit at the moment. But, um, you know, it is a team effort all round, isn't it, to keep all of this going at the same time um, and whilst supporting patients because because um, they're being really patient, aren't they, and lovely and not demanding in any way, shape or form. Yeah? What? <laughs> Have you experienced this? Is it people getting a little bit more? Oh, Tracy, I've seen the tears. Yeah, yeah, love it. It's, um, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of demand going on, isn't there? You know, and I guess we've got to understand everybody in their own world's having a bit of frustration, aren't they, about stuff going on and on and not getting what they need. Um, people have still got levels of uncertainty, although there is some hope in some way with the vaccines. It's still uncertain for a lot of people. And I think as well, where people don't see others, sometimes we lose perspective, don't we? We've got nobody to talk things through or anything to sensor check stuff with. So we can all go a little bit mad. I was talking to a practice in Bristol the other day who had um, people coming in and they were losing it so much. They were knocking on doors, you know, trying to knock down the doors of the doctor's rooms. Doctors were locking themselves in. Um, there was a reception area that was like a lobby and they were throwing everything on the floor. And you just think... What is wrong with you guys? I know it's frustrating, but, you know, we should be supporting each other a little bit more than this. So it is tough. It is definitely tough for, for the staff as well with the complaints and that. So you need to be aware of that. Um, but switching to the other side of things with success, um, were any of you on the, the one we did last month over success, happiness and success? I know, June, you were with us, weren't you? Cam Lesh joined us. Mm -hmm. I was there, yes. Thank it was good. Sure. Quite helpful. Oh, good, good. Well, I'll come on to how we've used it, Kamlesh, in a minute. I'll come back to you. I think, David, you were around as well. But we talked about success and how we measure it. So just going to recap it a little bit. When we think of success or achieving successes during the week or during the day at the moment, what sort of things come to mind? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody calls it sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody calls Another person gone for 10 days of isolation. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's a success, definitely. Emma, what would you class as a success at the moment? Um, the staff health and well-being and their positivity and how they're doing. Making sure they're all right. Mm. Fantastic. Hayley, what would you say a success is? Um, when here at the moment, I think a success is the fact that the staff, the staff go home at the end of their day with at least some job satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And are any of you sporting to-do lists? I think for me, it was around success was around sense of achievement. 
Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's your, um, your list that your do list that is uh, being completed more time. Because what I used to do, I mean, it's, it's, it's just out of habit, really. I, I used to do my list before, but then he brought it home last time when we had the call. Instead of having a mental list, he write it down and it's pleasure to see it being ticked off. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and then I've divided that list into uh, different areas because of the, you know, it's, it's to do with uh, my patients, my staff, welfare, what I want to achieve. And then the rest is all kind of a uh, flexibility. But once you're achieving those key things I want to achieve every day. Uh, so it's a week list rather than just a, a daily one. And then I put the key core things in there. Works for me. Uh, I used to do it before, and then I think um, the GP world took over and it's kind of troubleshooting all the time. Yeah, we become very much firefighting, isn't it? It's very much about doing everything now. Um, but yeah, what, what Kamlesh is alluding to is last time we talked about doing a to-do list, and we're going to share some examples in a minute. So success can be around tasks, getting stuff done, you know, ticking boxes, making sure staff aren't sick, you know, what, what's all the things that will help me through the week? And we talked about this idea that success can be measured in lots of different ways or viewed in different ways. So success can be what it gives us in terms of a sense of reward and how it makes us feel. Um, and therefore, if we feel that sense of reward, we're more likely to feel motivated and energized to do more. And we use the to-do list as an example. So a to-do list we all know, I mean, if your lists are like anybody else's we've spoken to at the moment, you add to it, don't you? You start the morning and think, I'll get through that. And then by lunchtime, it's twice as long and you've only locked one thing off of it. And by the time you go home, you think, oh, for crying out loud, you know, I'll start another bit of paper, but I'm going to write the same great big list all over it. Um, the tip I had actually yesterday was writing a weekly list that Kamlesh has just alluded to. Instead of making it daily, which can feel like you're not achieving at the end of every day, it's just have a weekly one. So it's stuff to remember, but when you do it, you'll do it based on your natural prioritization and, and how you move things around. But anyway, yeah, the idea was is how satisfying or what sense of purpose do we get or sense of achievement from ticking a to-do list? Um, so the example would be like, I need to speak to Sue. I have to check in with the team. I must fill out X, Y and Z. So some of that is about language. I have to, I should, I need to, if that's how you say it in your head. And the second thing was they were very tasky things that just need to be done. And we were talking about maybe thinking about them in terms of what they give you once you've done them and what they provide once you've done them, or by doing them, what do they provide? Um, so I'll share my example. I said, I know Michelle's got one as well. We went away, didn't we, and had a little, a little go at this. So it was about having a list on the left-hand side. Your left is that one, isn't it? Left-hand side about what the to-dos were. And then on the other side was converting them into what they gave you or what the sense of reward was. So as an example, uh, need to speak to Sue in the team could be, a check-in with Sue to make sure that she's feeling happy and comfortable in the role that she's doing and that her well-being is okay. Ticking that is much more sense of reward, isn't it, than I talked to Sue. So that was the kind of examples we were going with. So um, I'll share the one I captured. I had a really boring one, which was arrange dates for training. Great, I can do that, no problem. So I tried to rewrite it and it actually worked. I put to choose the best dates available so that we can motivate and support the receptionists we're working with at the moment, giving them what they need. 
So for me, that was quite fulfilling because I totally changed the meaning of what it was. Um, Michelle, what was yours? You have one, didn't you? I did. And I actually, when I, because I wasn't on the last webinar, but I listened to it and I thought this sounds like a really good idea. I'll, I'll have a go at it. But I actually found it quite difficult. <laughs> I can't believe I found it quite hard. So the one that I've picked is, um, again, quite boring. Send copy of letter to CCG. Really boring. Um, so I've converted that to identify information that will help practices receive funding for the services they've completed and to enable them to continue to deliver the COVID vaccination programme. Nice. Yeah. Totally switches it, doesn't it? Um, and this this might sound a bit daft or a bit out there and you think, well, why would I bother? I've just got a to-do list. But um, overall, our well-being, isn't it? And your well-being is really important about how you feel and what you're achieving. And at the moment, it can feel like sometimes we take a step forward or go too back, um, or it can feel like the list is never ending. And that can gradually fill our bucket up to the point that there might be days where we feel a bit overwhelmed or we're exhausted or tired or we're doing six days a week or extra hours. And therefore, it all builds up. And the idea of switching this list is if we can make some things tap into our sense of reward, it makes us feel happier about what we're doing naturally and internally, which then gives us more energy and more motivation to do more, which would gently empty our bucket ever so slightly. But if we've got space in the bucket, we're less likely to overflow. So creating space, that top 20, 10, 20 percent of your bucket at the moment is really, really important. Or for others, you know, this is stuff that maybe you share with other people who potentially are coming to you saying they're overwhelmed or um, not, you know, getting a sense of purpose from what they're doing at the moment. So I'll go round. Uh, Kamlesh, did you manage to rewrite anything on your list? Did you have a go? Did you have an example? Yeah, uh, I think mine was similar to what you've just said. I had to speak to a GP about something that I've been putting away for a long time. But then on the other side, I put down, what, what, what do I want to feel about this? In, in other words, I want to feel good about having this conversation and I also want her to feel good about it. So my, my, I approached in a way that uh, what would make her feel happy about this change that I needed done. And um, it was around, um, make it, you know, it's, it's a bit complicated, but, you know, sometimes when you have to change somebody's mindset, it was not about just going and say, right, I want to speak to so-and-so and I want her to do this. I wanted to get behind the scene and see what I want her to feel as well. Mm. So I won't go much into detail, but because it's, but after I finished the conversation, I felt good about it. And she felt good about it as well because I had to. I, I had a little bit more deep thinking before I approached it, and we both came out thinking win-win situation. And um, she's now very happy, and she's come back and said, "Look, it's, the way you approached it would is much better." So, um, it's something that will build. Yeah. I think it because it, it will soon become a second nature. Uh, I keep saying this because I, I from my background, I've been I, I've I've been doing these things. But since I joined the GP area, some of these things have you haven't got time to do it because you just want instantly done and you want to get things done and you know it's good to just step a little bit back. And this is why the weekly list is better for me now. Because I can plan it and it's not uh, something that I would go and do straight away. At least it gives me some time to think about. And I'm lucky that I, I travel to work. So I've got about an hour and a half traveling, thinking to do in my mind of what I'm going to be doing the following day or when in the morning, just refresh myself. Does that make sense? It does. And I think you, you've highlighted two really, really key points there. So what I love about what you're saying is it wasn't just identifying the sense of reward or achievement for yourself coming out of it is it made you think about going into that task or what the, the conversation 
But also what I heard was you were really going in with a positive intention to make it good for her as well as you, which would have changed the whole focus of what was going I, on. It, it does. It does. And it's about uh, having the certainty um, because I, I, I do honestly feel, and this is all this has come out from me since joining your conversations a few weeks ago. It's about being certain in what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, that it's all, it's just bringing it all back because I think the, the COVID has really, really taken lots of things over mind. And I, I truly believe that when all this hit us last year, we, our mind stopped everything. And we, we had to change the way we work. Actions had to be taken within hours. And, you know, you forget some of these things and it just your mind takes over by what's present. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about our habits, isn't it? Yeah, we start shortcutting some stuff or just even stopping together. And we forget the value of some of these simple things that can help. What I love, Kamlesh, about what you said is, is, is not to underestimate as well that some of us have lost our commute. Not always, but, you know, that commute or that choice to get, sorry, the drive to work or the, the travel gives you time, doesn't it, to kind of think mm. and process. Mm. you are at home working for the day it's like how do you get that time to process so it's giving yourself time out for that as well which is a really interesting point and hadn't thought of it has anybody else got uh, any examples Does anybody have a go or could tell us of one that they could convert maybe i sort of did it the opposite way around so okay. I, I worked through my to-do list but then i went back later and looked at it and tried to rephrase what I'd actually achieved from ticking that thing off. So I did it after instead that's of before. Okay. But that's still quite a good way because at the end of the day, then you, you sort of have a better sense of achievement rather than just ticking them off and then forgetting about them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that works just as well, I should imagine, isn't it? It's yeah. about converting it into what does it give you and what was the yeah. sense of reward. And I think what will happen in time is that that will become a second nature. Um and it's like building of a mindset, isn't it? Of a, of a culture and of a uh, way of thinking. Yeah. Um, but at least it's good that you went back and then looked at it and it made you feel good after you've seen what, what it gave you. So, Yeah, because yeah. you do. You, some days you get home and you think, what have I actually done today? What have I achieved? But if you've done that exercise, you know, even if it's just five minutes, you can sort of see, yeah, well, I did actually finish something today and get something done, something useful. Yeah. And I think that's very important for our, our own self and our own self-esteem, isn't it? Because um, we're all under pressure. And I mean, I may be speaking for myself, but I want to feel good about when I go home that yeah. I've actually achieved something. <laughs> yeah. And it's the knock-on effect. If we go home or back to our world, isn't it, outside of work, feeling like good or better or sense of reward, we're more likely, aren't we, to play differently with our family and, you know, how we interact with them rather than bringing home our terrible day. And inflicting that on them which is uh, you know, totally possible we've all done that as well good okay so I think the idea around what we're going to get into today is noticing what success is um, and that it lies in different places so it's not just achieving tasks or getting stuff done or hitting an end point because I think as we've all realized there is no real end point is there at the moment we can't say let's just get to next Friday and it's all done and we can wake up on Monday and we can refresh and start again with a new to-do list. And it's brilliant because it's not like that, because by the time we even get to next Friday, there's going to be a whole host of new stuff that you didn't even see coming. So we haven't got that kind of um, luxury in any way. So it's about how we kind of reframe things. Um, and I was thinking back to this last year, you know, the stuff 
that has been achieved by practices and you guys in the last 12 months is incredible. And I wanted us to just maybe have a little think about what sort of stuff that you've made possible in the 12 months that if we'd have thought about it 18 months ago would have been deemed to be impossible. So what was impossible? What were things we'd never thought of, never implemented, never done, we'd thought were crazy ideas or you tried to implement them, but everybody was against you and there was just no way you were going to get it in. Uh, you know, all the doctors were against you and the partners had different ideas, but now are all real possible things. Have you got any examples of stuff? Have you got a few nods going on? I think use of technology is one of them, isn't it? Um, yeah. but just by default, everybody had to start um, using technology and remote consultation and everything. And that's the way forward. So um, there's, there was a fear of uh, not doing telephone consultations, um, but that fear has gone down a little more now, but because it's the way they've learned and I think they've adopted to it. Yeah. Um, and this is something that it got better as, as days and months went by because they're getting clever at using technology as well. Yeah, so definitely that technology, isn't it? And moving to consultations online. 18 months ago, people would have probably gone, no, you're all right. It was pie in the sky idea, wasn't it? That maybe you could have a a consultation online. I mean, God forbid, with uh, with a consultant, a doctor and a patient, you know, what would that be like if we could join it all up? But, you know, some of these ideas were a little bit crazy, but actually now we're in it. So that's a good example. June, have you got one? I would say IT as well. I think I think one of the things that has been brilliant um, for our practice is, and myself actually, I don't have to go off to all these meetings now. Mm. So before we were travelling to meetings at the CCG, sitting there, going back to work, and actually you don't need to do that now. And I find it's less stressful. It wasn't particularly stressful, but you know what I mean? You don't have to travel, less stressful. You can fit it better into your working day. Um, also... Um, I now get most of my partners at a um, partnership meeting without any hassle because if they're off, they just do, it might be because they're in lockdown right enough, but because they're off, they come on Microsoft Teams. We have brilliant meetings. When I've got staff that are at home in the management team, they will then log into the meeting for half an hour just to catch up with everybody, which they wouldn't have done before. So I think that's been a real, real positive for us as a practice and IT, Acurex, all those things that my technophobe GPs have had to get used to using. And also one of the other things that's been brilliant is that one of the new partners um, now works from home one morning a week, and that has improved her home life and just the way she can manage her family. So, you know, these sort of things are now able to happen yeah yeah so, and work-life balance was a real issue wasn't it for people a real issue yes yeah. but you know this kind of eases some of the pressure doesn't it because people got a bit more flexibility yeah I mean it's so like for instance this last week I've had a member of staff who's really done something to her back so she can't be in work so instead of um, going on sick pay she's got her laptop so she goes in and does all her work you know that she can on her laptop so that saves her she's still working but she's not having to come to work because she can't walk bless her but you know she can work from her laptop so that's been brilliant and and she's also been COVID, calling covid patients as well for vaccination so there's a really new way of working and and helping people out when they are not poorly but they just can't physically get into work because they can't drive because they've done the legging you know whatever so yeah. it's been really good in that aspect for us 
Gosh, so that reduces absenteeism, doesn't yeah. it? It improves life work, work life balance. Mm. We've got increasing flexibility and potentially productivity. Because mm. even if someone can't do an element of their job, we could still get them doing something else. So they're still contributing. Yeah. They're still getting paid. Yeah, it's been really, really good. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Patrick, can you think of anything that we've done that was possibly impossible before? Um, I mean, 13 months ago, I managed leisure centres and had never stepped foot into primary care. So for me, it's been quite a, quite a steep learning curve. And I, I love still hearing people saying, I can't wait for things to go back to pre-COVID, but I don't really know what that was. So that would all be quite new to me. Yeah. Um, but what I, the bit that's been really useful for me is, is that I came from sort of within leisure, the, the technology is quite a bit further, further ahead than primary care when it comes to telephone systems, laptops, the, even things like the use of office, virtual meetings and things like that. And um, so to be able to sort of make that mark and, and that stamp has, has been really good. Uh, and just other, other changes that, that really sort of amazed me that, that have been able to sort of go through things like the fax machine. I mean, I've, I've never sent a fax in my life and had no idea how to use that or a franking machine when I arrived. Um, and still don't. I'm quite proud that I don't. Um, so it's been those sorts of changes have been quite a mission to, to try and get rid of, to be honest. Um, and actually the positive side of things is COVID has, has helped with that. But then it's also just showing that just because it's different doesn't mean it's, it's a bad thing. It's also not that strange. And most, I think the, the thing with AccuRx was mentioned is that that actually the usability of AccuRx has been brilliant and they've managed to evolve it at the same speed that they've not released too many things too quickly so that people don't understand it. And yet they've actually managed to evolve it to match the needs of primary care and, and sort of what we need as a business, which has been really, really nice to see. Um, but yeah, no, it's been good. I love that. Yeah. Fax machines. It's funny, isn't it? It's probably the only place they still exist hiding around corners somewhere. Um, <laughs> Sorry, can can I, Patrick, are you still using fax machines? Um, it, well, not really. No, no. We, should, we should have stopped using from, uh, I think it was something came out in the GDPR their area a couple of years ago. Well, so, it's meant to, I think it was meant to finish in April and then with uh, COVID they extended it for another 12 months. But okay. we're trying not Sorry, to. Sorry, I'm not trying to teach you how to suck lollies. Oh, no, no, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I wanted to get rid of it as soon as I arrived, but... Um, I love suck lollies. I've not heard that. Is it? It's, it's, that's that's a nice term. Yeah, that's a good. Um, right, thank you, Patrick. Uh, who should we go to? Emma, have you? What have you seen changes? Maybe that are different from IT. Is there anything you can think of? So, yeah, technology obviously is the big one. Um, I think pre-COVID as well. Our um, appointments for routine appointments. We were. It was like a four-week, four-week wait. Obviously, same day needs were responded to on the same day. Um, I guess we go back to technology. We introduced um, Chinic, which is a form, I think a lot of people are more familiar with e-consult, but with Chinic and the new technologies, we're now working within 48 hours of responding to patients with um, that routine need. So that's really incredible, like for the patients and the staff to be able to respond that way. Do you know what, Emma, I had forgotten how bad the waiting lists were. Mm get a, a routine appointment were shocking weren't they before we because we were doing signposting courses and people were like we need to signpost better and it's like there's nowhere to yeah. put them because we're so far out with the waiting lists and like you say the access has changed totally so that really is a positive isn't it uh, yeah i think also with the um addition of the, the, the additional roles so we've got msk physios and the pharmacy team so there's different healthcare professionals we can reach everything to so it's not all yeah. obviously going to the gps that's helped enormously yeah. as well 
just making sure that GPs are seeing the people they should see is the right, yeah. the right person sees the right patient, you know, the right, the right time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And easier to do, isn't it, with the tech as well? God, I had forgotten how bad the waiting lists were. Mm. Uh, Tracy, I think you're the only one we haven't spoken to. Is there any changes you've seen? Oh, no, and David as well. I'll come to you after David. Yeah, um, just really the same as everybody else, the IT solutions. And I think it's been amazing how patients have embraced it. I mean, we've got 80-odd-year-olds who've done video consultations who, you know, 12 months ago would never, ever have thought they could do that. Um, so I think it's been it's been quite good for some of our patients as well but also the um virtual meetings we used during the first lockdown we we used to do a 10 minute what we called a huddle every day um just for the whole team so people could log in from home and uh, you know it was just for people to share concerns about covid because everybody was worried i think we forget how scary it all was at the beginning and I think, you know, we've really grown as a team by doing that. So we did that for three months. And, you know, we can all look back now and say we all got through those first few months together. And I think it's been really good for team building. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And that it, the huddles it, it, and the tech has brought together more communication, isn't it? Or an ease to communicate more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. More people involved so that your message is more consistent and that everybody's hearing it or feels like they could contribute or they're part of those meetings. Um, that's, yeah, there's, there's so many knock-ons actually. And I know it's all come out of something that's not been great, but it's interesting, isn't it? The learning. Uh, David, I think you're the final one. Uh, I think remote working and technology, mm. because uh, what we do is we always have uh, Dr. A and Dr. B and we can always swap them around, either one works from home and the other comes in uh, and works at the practice. And the other thing is e-consult. Mm. Uh, 18 months ago, we would never ever think about the amount of e-consult we would do now. So 18 months ago, in a week, you'd most probably have about 10 e-consult. And looking at my figures, uh, January to December 2020, we had 237 e-consult per week. Mm -hmm. Now it's gone up uh, since January. It has doubled. Right. Like we've had, we are having 475 e-consult per week. Gosh, so right. I think, I don't think we will go back to the pre-COVID era when we used to get the patient in and see them face to face. I think the way forward will always be e-consult. Mm. Uh, speak to them. And if the doctor deems it necessary for them to come for a face-to-face, -face, then they would be called into the practice, uh, which is good both ways. So they don't have to travel. They don't have to park. They don't have to do anything. And if there's a, a minor kind of illness, then it can be sorted out with a prescription to the pharmacist. Yeah. So, pharmacy and they don't need to necessarily come into the practice. I think this has uh, been the biggest uh, working change that we've had in this practice. So e-consult and like, uh, as some of the colleagues said, like uh, the 80 year olds, you just send a text with the link and they can have the video consultation, which is really good as well. 
quite remarkable, isn't it? Really, <laughs> when you think about it, if we'd have, if we'd have said, you know what, we're going to get everybody on online consultations, everybody had gone. Well, what about the over so and sos? Not a chance. There's no way, and it would have stopped there and then, wouldn't it? And then look what you guys have achieved. It's amazing. The ones, um, they're all amazing examples, but I, I heard a few more this week, which I think just is thinking about the smaller bits as well. Somebody was saying even a waiting room with the seating arrangements, they'd swapped all their material seats out for wipeable for germs, right? Which is a simple change, but makes sense. And they were laughing going, at what point did we ever think it was okay to put 30 really ill people in a room together, all sat on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, when you read it like that, you go, oh yeah, you know? <laughs> like actually, do we really want to go back to that? You know, so there are some more subtle changes, aren't there, but actually have shown us that we can do things very differently as well, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Okie jokes. I am probably going to share with you a quote now that we found. Thanks, Paul. So I'd like you all to have a little read and then I'm just going to come to you to ask what you make of this and then we're just going to um, discuss it a bit further. So in case you can't see it, it's managing the probable to leading the possible. Managing the probable to leading the possible. I'll come back to you. We're going to ask you guys first, what do you take from that? What, what does that mean to you? Way to start. <laughs> um, I think to me, it's it's it. My first thought was that it's something that you thought you could never do, but now you you can do it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, some. Mm, I can't quite get my. But something you thought you can't do it is now now you're actually the champion of it, isn't it? You're actually leading it by example or something yes. along those lines, somewhere along those lines. That's perfect. Yeah, we'll come back to that, leading by example. Thank you, Claire. Anyone else? What do you take from that? What would say? Impossible. I'm sorry, I I would say it's it's almost to do this sort of achieving, anything can be achievable, but not to sort of put a boundary in for yourself. So similar to the the, online triaging of patients and everyone will go, oh, the over 70s can't do that. It's like the over 70s can book their holidays and do their online banking. So they probably can. So then leave the possible and then worry about the 2% that can't afterwards. Yeah. So going with the possible rather than thinking yeah. about the, the, the minority. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, David, I think you spoke as well. I think what we thought before were, that were impossible is now possible. So it's that change of perspective, isn't it, or mindset around stuff? It is, it is, yes. And just, you know, technology isn't that hard if you get your head around it. And like even everybody had to learn it, like even the doctors and <laughs> nurses and, like and everyone. Even the doctors had to learn. <laughs> <that>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody has had to, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, who else haven't we heard? Oh, we've heard from all the, the, the men in the room. We, any other shares? Um, I, I, I thought it, managing the probable was, well, we were probably going to do it. We we're going to probably going to go to IT, probably going to do some kind of different meetings, probably. But what's happened is we've had to lead to make it possible because we've had to do it. So that's kind of what, what I kind of low level thought of it. Fantastic. Thank you, Jean. Tracy? 
Um, I was just sort of thinking along the same lines as June, um, that it's one of these things, yeah, we'll get round to doing one day and then we've actually had to do it. Mm, absolutely. Okie dokes. And I think we've got someone in the waiting room. You guys got it? Oh, it is, yeah. I'm on yeah, that. Emma? Is it having the, um, the positivity and the confidence to make things happen and move it forward? Yeah. Absolutely. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Hi, are you okay? I'm good, thank you. Good. We are just discussing the topic of managing the probable yep. to leading the possible. So we're just talking about all the stuff that's been impossible 18 months ago that's now totally possible now, like online consultations. Yes. Things like that. Yes. Um, yeah. What I really like about that, so, so funnily enough, when we put this out before to have a discussion around it, people are sort of saying, gosh, I'm managing the stuff that I have to. But, you know, really thinking forward and leading is, is too difficult to do right now because we're firefighting and we're in the middle of it all. What I love about you guys as a group, actually, you've all not gone to that, that perspective. You've gone to the, but we are already doing it. We, we have managed the impossible to the possible. We're already making things happen that were perceived to be impossible before. And I think the whole point of what we were trying to get across today was that actually it's, you know, there is no end game, is there, to this? There is no, we'll wake up on the 31st of March and it'll all be over and we can get going. Let's go back to our lives, whatever they look like, and carry on. It's like a slope, isn't it? You know, we, we had the pandemic, we, we kind of came down the other side of a bit of a bump and then we're working our way out. Um, and that curve might not be just straight path out. We might have a few sort of blips in the road or a few bumps. Sometimes we might take a, a two steps forward and one step back, you know, and, and, and every week will bring its challenges in some way, shape or form. But we are gradually working our way forwards, aren't we, with COVID in our life? Not a new norm, not back to where we were, just with it in our lives. And what is that going to look like? And the fact that you guys are at the center of that in terms of leading that is incredible really because in order to carry on that curve we need to lead with positivity don't we and optimism and a future and what does it look like um, but we can't just wait for a date where it's all over and it happens we have to build it into our world now and what's brilliant is you guys have already recognized that you're already leading with possible you're already doing that already um, what would be interesting to think about is going forwards maybe for the rest of February or for March or for April, how do I up the notch a bit on leading the possible? What are the possibles do I need to start thinking about to help people continue up and out of this curve and get to where they need to? And it's not a case of just going, it's going to be amazing. And in June, it'll be lovely. We'll all be on holiday. Won't it be brilliant? Yeah, we can't paint a silly picture because everybody will look at you and go, yeah, all right. I don't quite buy into that because we know it's too uncertain or it's potentially not going to happen in that way. But we can eke people, can't we, forward in little steps of possibilities. So over the next few weeks, what is it that we're doing that's really good? Or what area could we look at that could be a bit different? Or, you know, in March, what does the possible look like for my practice in an area that I could focus on? In April, in May, you know, how do we just gently keep moving people? So we're with them, we're holding them, we have them, but we're just gently shuffling yeah, rather than dragging them to some place that doesn't exist. <laughs> Let's be realistic about it all. <laughs> Okey dokes. Um, um, 
let's have a little look actually about uh what time we're on i'm just trying to make a decision yeah we'll go to so while we're here then because if you think about it all the examples you've given me yes they're about tech we've gone from impossible to possible tech uh, appointments e-consults all the rest of these, these online meetings not having to travel being able to include teams that all happened and i know you all share the same successes but that only happened because you guys did it just because the practice next door was doing it didn't mean your practice was going to achieve that unless you were involved. So you're already leading the possible. But I think this is a lovely opportunity to think about your leadership and your style and what you've done this year. How has this year changed your leadership? What strengths have you noticed grow or come to the forefront because of the experience we've had over the last 12 months? I'm just going to give you a couple of seconds to reflect and maybe write down a couple of things. I think it's good to take this time to acknowledge for ourselves what we've done. You could write down three things that you know has grown as a strength or you've used even more as a strength or you've developed out of nowhere because it was something you were totally not using before. What would they be? I'm going to ask you to share one each. I won't get you to do the whole list. You can just find one. It won't be that mean. you're struggling with it it might be what skills have you used more of that's another way to phrase the question i have fighting skills <laughs> much more organized yeah in, in sort of in, in in previous job roles i'd be much much sort of further ahead and know what i was coming into whereas actually with covid and just generally i think generally primary care there's quite a lot of unknowns that you come into yeah. it's not you can't really plan your week very easily or even your day or even your morning so it's um or even the next hour. <laughs> we can do that, but apart from that, that's about it. So, Padgett, if you had to break that down into skills, if you're having to firefight and deal with things in the minute, what sort of things do you have to do more of? And a lot more sort of impulsive decisions and try and sort of weigh up options quite quickly. Yeah. Whereas I'd normally sort of deliberate and think about things before acting upon them and sort of look at things in a bit more detail, whereas actually things are a lot more reactive rather than proactive, yeah. which is a very different management style. It is very different and you could argue we'd want more proactive, wouldn't you? But when you are forced into a position where you have to be reactive, which we do, that you can't get away from that, it's actually how do you then develop those skills, isn't it? You know, can I make a decision in the moment? Can I quickly assimilate the information I have? Can I consider the risks and mitigate and do what I need to do? So you're, there's lots of processes going on, isn't there, and your decision-making process is there that you may have not used as much before or been as comfortable with, but now have to. So you're forced into it and we can learn that way. That's a great share. Thank you. Uh, Cam Lash, have you had one? one yeah, share? I would say it's managing it. I would, I would say managing a team through crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, in, 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 that's the key one for me. And that, that means that managing the team and developing them um, it's been very challenging, but that's something that I enhanced on because you've got to take teams and emotionals into consideration as well. Um, and we're going into an unknown territory. And I keep going back. I remember in March, one day we were all going and the next day we, everything stopped. We had to change the way we did everything from the way we manage the appointment books to the way we manage the patient care um, and you have to work as a team to do it you would I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own yeah. um, and that also gave me an opportunity to um, 
look at the team skills and develop them further as well. So it's about what more training would they require. And I think I touched Patrick's point around being proactive management as well. So it's kind of like the world's changes made us think the way we manage the practice as well. Yeah, definitely. So I would say one of my successes would be around managing the team through crisis. And I think they appreciate as well of what we, you know, they look up at you and say, well, you made my environment um, safe for me to come to work. And, you know, just by simply saying, look, we've uh, got more hand gels, they feel comfortable. So, you know, all those little things do make yeah. a big difference to them. Hold that thought, little things add up. We're going to come on to a little model about that in a second. But yeah, fantastic insight. Thanks, Kamnesh. Emma? If there was one strength you feel like you've pulled on or developed more of? Uh, mine was similar about the reacting and adapting to those sudden changes yeah. um, that they've been said. So then I thought about um, using our business continuity plan. So it was always just a, a document that we had. We reviewed it, checked it every year. But until this year, we never knew how effective it was. We never had to put it in place. And I think we've had to refer to it probably four or five times in the last 10 months. Yeah. Um, and then realised... Some of it isn't as detailed as it should be because we're actually now working through this and have this crisis. Mm. So, yeah, updating that business continuity plan and, and reviewing it efficiently yeah. as we needed to this year. Good. Thank you. That's brilliant. Um, thanks, Emma. Tracy. Yeah, mine's very similar again. I think I've just become more flexible. Um, because I think I was always somebody who was quite sort of process driven and procedure driven. And, you know, if there was ever a query, it's, well, what does our policy say or what does our procedure say? And, you know, we're dealing with stuff now that has no precedent. So I've had to sort of learn to let that go a bit and actually react to what's going on at that, that particular moment. So and I think that's also made me a bit more patient with other people as well that, you know, they're all going through the same stuff as well. That's good. It always helps have patience, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. June, go on, what would you put as yours? Um, I, I think I agree with everybody's um, things that to, to look at. I think for me, I just enjoyed the challenge of the operational um, achievements you needed to basically, you know, something came in you had to get it sorted and move it forward very very quickly and um yeah i enjoyed that a bit of an anorak i think but also yeah. what i really like and what i've really found is that i'm not terribly good at the fluffy, fluffy stuff so i've had to really learn that just because i don't do fluffy other people do so um it's been hard but i am i am kind of like you know doing it and going away and going or otherwise known as people's emotional needs and you know what they yeah. what they need <laughs> great stuff rachel do you want to share have you got enough of what we were talking about yes i have yes i have uh, i think similar to tracy whereas i was very task driven just to complete things that the checklist doesn't end um i found myself Realize, recognizing how vulnerable a workforce is. And so finding myself really spending a lot more time thinking about the emotional well-being and showing empathy and aligning people's strengths and vulnerability to different responsibilities and roles. Yeah, um, yeah well, most of the time you forget about yourself, but I found I've got results through not everybody can be on the phone taking patient abuse, but you could use them to do something else, to go to the, you know, do something else, yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic answer. Thank you, Rachel. And then finally, David, if you can share yours. 
uh, I think just being flexible, flexibility to get the job done. So what has happened is like we are quite a big uh, practice. We've got over, about over 23,000 patients. So we were having to cover the vaccination site and we had a few volunteers that we needed to get to the vaccine site. So we, we started being flexible, like getting their references. So we had verbal references so that they could still work. There were still nurses, but they were in a different pra practice or hospital, but they were living within the vicinity of our practice and they could help us out. So just being flexible and letting them be used as and when there was a need and like when all our doctors and nurses are stretched, then when you have volunteers to fill that gap, it was really good. And it's just that being flexible uh, during this COVID. Yeah, era. sounds brilliant. Thank you, David. Yeah, flexibility has definitely been key. So I think it's nice to reflect that you guys have made a lot of stuff happen in the last 12 months and it's your strengths and the way you've approached stuff that's done that. So, you know, if you think about it, if you get more of a time some other time is to actually capture those because they are now part of your toolbox they're not going to vanish you know they're there you've developed them they're in your toolbox and you have them which is fantastic so you can actually use those um going forward talking of tools i'm conscious of the time so we're just going to share a couple of tools that we found we'll send them out to you well send them out sorry they'll be on the lmc website for you to download as well so these are tools for leading with possibility paul found a great article from mckenzie about leading with possibility so you'll have that to be able to read as well as one of the resources but these are some tools and i'm just going to whiz through them to kind of bring them to your awareness but um things that can be really helpful in leading possibility. So one of them is to ask different questions. And what we mean by that is we get into a typical pattern of what we're doing and we ask the same type of questions or from the same angle. Actually, can we try asking some different questions that break the norm or challenging our own assumptions by asking some different questions? And that can get us to think a little bit differently as well about possibilities. Um, and, and not be led by stuff that we deem as impossible. The other one is considering multiple perspectives. Um, we often go to the same place to get what we need and talk to the same people, but how could we maybe change that up? Could we speak to somebody we wouldn't normally go to? Could we get advice from another practice manager or somebody that maybe we wouldn't have done before because we didn't, I don't know, want to let our guard down or we didn't want to show any vulnerability, but actually it's, do you know what? I really appreciate your view on this. Um, sometimes you go to new people, new members of staff, because they've got a totally different perspective that you can't have because you've been in it for a little while. Um, or even go to the people you maybe, um, <laughs> it says here, irritates you the most. But, you know, there's some people that you might just avoid <laughs> because it might be a bit of a clash. And that might be because they have a different perspective on the world. So sometimes it's good to get theirs. We do it like a house. Imagine a 3D house in the garden you're looking at one side of it and other people look at the left-hand side, other people look at the right, some people look at the back. How can you take a walk around the house and have a look at the issue, the problem, or what it is you're considering as a possibility? That's all right, Kamlesh, lovely to see you. Um, processes and patterns is about our logical thinking and sometimes we do a, a simple connection between cause and effect that is assumed rather than think about what's the root cause. Um, like, I'll give you an example. I've heard people say patients becoming really demanding. They keep ringing about the vaccines. What do we do? How do we step back and actually think 
what could we do differently maybe nearer the route that would prevent some of that happening nearer the end so the impact is here how do we step back a few steps and have a look at our processes and think differently again asking other people for ideas but maybe trying a couple of solutions at the same time it doesn't always have to be one um, you can run things alongside each other to see what the impact is so they're just some really simple tools that you can have a read about the next one is this one percent or one degree of difference um, which is really important um, sometimes when we're leading the possible it doesn't have to be a big change it doesn't have to be about your access model or your staff organizational chart it can be about the small things and actually you can see there one percent a change over time adds up to a big difference in performance so top athletes would do this if they want to get a marginal gain over their competitor they would make some very tiny changes but the tiny changes add up so the challenge is, is what 1% changes can you make? This is part of your leading with possibility that actually over time would add up and make a real difference in how we approach stuff. And then finally, I'm just going to share with you the three R's. So I'm from Bristol, so I can say OOR. It's your three R's, so that'll stick. Um, but review, reflect and reward, a really simple tool. Take an idea, take something you've done, take a change you've made, and actually spend half an hour, this is your challenge, pick a subject, pick, pick half an hour. What, if we look back, what worked, what didn't? What did we learn? What could we do differently? And then what outcome did it give us? What was the reward? And can we celebrate it, especially if it involves our team or other members of staff? What were things that worked well that we've just taken for granted because they've been in place for a few months, but actually if we were to analyze them, we could really highlight the positives for, for staff going forwards. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a whirlwind there. Sorry, but I'm just conscious of the time of where we're up to. We've had such good conversations, but you can always come back to those tools and have a little look. I guess the main takeout for us is there's like there's different types of successes. And, and what you want to do is try to get to the ones that give you a sense of reward, both for yourself and for your team. How do you get them to translate as well? Um, and then that gives you motivation and energy. And it's a loop that just keeps giving. And if that empties our bucket a little bit to give us more energy to keep going a bit further, a bit longer, then, then that's got to be useful, hasn't it? Because you know, none of us have got a two-week holiday in Barbados booked, have we, at Easter? So, uh, you know, we've got to find a way to stretch ourselves out a little bit further. Um, we can't jump from this world to the next. You know, there is no end point. It is a gradual incline of coming out and, and working our way forward and getting more and more possibles in our, in our basket, as it were. Um, and there is still a degree of uncertainty. So you can't plan ahead. It's not like you can sit down and go, do you know what? Let's do some strategic planning or let's think ahead for the next six months. That's all off the table. But the little possibles, they are very, very possible to do. So how do we just eke a few of those more into our world? Um, the best bit is you've already been doing this already. So it's nothing new. You have the skills and you've got lots of successes to talk about. Um, it's just maybe challenging yourself to go, can I do you know, a little bit more of that as time moves forward. How do I add a few of those in for me and my team and, and for the, the wider team I work with as well? Because I think that's one thing we've learned, isn't it? We're not just a little team anymore. We're, we're a bigger team. You could argue for the first time in our lives, we're a worldwide team. We have a common goal uh, where we're all working together. So um, it's recognising that as well. Um, I'll just talk about the resources actually before I let you go that we've got to share with you. I know Michelle's going to talk to you about the appraisals, but just quickly before I finish, 
Um, the buddy program, we're still looking to run on the 9th of March. So if anybody's interested, just put it in the chat and I'll add you to the invite. We're just going to bring a bunch of PMs together or managers together at this stage and work out how we can support and, and whether you want to, if you're new or if you just want a diff that different perspective from other people, we might work out how we could do that. So it's an initial meeting at this stage. It might be just a space where for an hour you can kind of rant and rave in a safe environment, which is quite nice, isn't it, sometimes as well? So you can take advantage of that. Um, there's the looking after you, the you two, and looking after you as a team leader um resources which is the nhs one for primary care so we'll make sure the links are on the lmc people have taken that up with coaching it's really valuable tool so if it's something you or anybody else wants to take advantage of then the links will be available for that um like on an airplane if the gas masks to come down they always say first put your own on first before you help others so that's our way of saying look after yourselves take time out, go for walks, you know, breathe. I don't know. Just make sure you're not going to fall over. Um, give yourself permission to have time out, even if it is doing a bit of decorating or something totally different, but just have a bit of brain space away from this so that you can eke yourself out even longer um, so that you can continue going forwards. Um, and then the other conversation is if you could put in the chat for us, uh, we're on session five of these now. So we've got one planned for next month in March, um, but we're talking to the LMC obviously about continuing them if possible, but it just depends on whether there's a need for them or if you find them of use. So if you could put in the chat, if it's something you'd like to see continue a little bit longer, and if you've got any ideas for content as well, that's always really useful. We can design some stuff based on the needs you have. So yeah, please do put that in the chat. But I'll hand, um, the resources will be on the LMC link as usual, but I'll just hand back to Michelle for a minute to talk about the appraisals. So I'm just going to talk briefly about the looking after you two just before I go on to PM appraisals. On the front page of our website, you can access that information. It's uh, purely for primary care staff. So would really encourage you going having a, uh, having a look at it. I think it's available till March, April time. Um, and it's for your whole team. And uh, it's well worth it. Some really good feedback on that. Uh, practice manager appraisal. So this scheme has been running for a number of years and is led by um, Louise and also our PM supporters. And uh, they are funded, so they would be free. And this is an opportunity to talk with somebody who is doing exactly the same job and um, can completely understand the pressures that come with practice management. Uh, as I said, there's no charge. Um, and if you're interested, if you want to contact Louise on our website, that her email address is there. Uh, I think we're I think we're um, coming to a close now, aren't we? Um, I just wanted to reflect. The last year has been. Um, well, it, it, it's not incredible, but the amount of changes that have happened in the last year are, are unreal. And as I think Kamlish said, you had 24 hours really to change your operating model. And, you know, it's you are the linchpin within your practice and having to pull your team with you when with all these changes is just um, unreal. You're all amazing. You do an incredible job. And I don't know if people are aware, but on Monday, Nikki Kahani did a press conference um, I think it was on the BBC website and practice managers were mentioned within that. So um, and a thank you and thanked for all their incredible work. So it's worth having a look at that. So I think that's uh, would bring us to a close. If there's an, anybody got any questions or anything they want to, to ask in the chat. Yeah. So, yeah, again, if you could just ask the chat, if it's something you want to see more of. But it's lovely to see you all today. And thank you for chatting and sharing. 
and um, we'll see you next month, I guess. Have a lovely weekend. Cheerio. Thanks very much. No worries, Bye. Patrick. Take care.